the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called The Storyteller. It's the parables of Jesus. Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew 25 with a parable of the ten virgins, as five were foolish and five were wise, a parable of Jesus that was a picture of his coming, and for you to be ready. So what will the return of Christ look like? And a question back to you, are you ready? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part two of the message called The Foolish Versus the Wise. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. The things we're walking through will not have the final word. That's so important. I want, I want you to grab that because we've been trained, we've been socialized, we've been conditioned to respond differently. And Jesus is saying, I want you to understand that I'm coming back. This world's not forever, so I want you to see things differently. Look how Paul address it. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start with verses 16 and 17. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. That whole idea, outwardly we're wasting away. When I was young, I didn't understand this. I understand way more now. Just look in the mirror and just, ooh, yeah, no, Paul was right. This is, this is not pretty. Mm. Outwardly we are wasting away, but good news, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Our spirit the eternal part of us. And look at this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What all? Our light and momentary troubles. I love that phrase, I do not lose heart. I do not lose heart. He says, we do not lose heart. In spite of what we're walking through, I want you to stop and think, because there may be something that you're walking through, a circumstance that is pushing on you to the point where you're feeling you're tempted to lose heart, to be so discouraged. I think there's something to be discouraged, which is bad enough, but to lose heart is when it's almost like you want to give up. Say, forget it. What is it? Is there something that you're struggling with, something that you're facing, you're wrestling against, that would tempt you to lose heart? See, he says, because wisdom teaches us this world's not forever, he's coming back. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't get so discouraged. And then he uses this description, our light and momentary trouble. Our light and momentary trouble. See, this changes how I see situations. And situations are real. We all have stuff that we face, but when we understand this big picture that, wait a minute, this is not all there is, this doesn't get to define it all, all of a sudden, our troubles, we, we take a different perspective. And, and you know something? Paul went through real hardship. 
Paul was persecuted. He was beaten for the gospel. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He suffered. He suffered loss. He suffered lack for the gospel. And real persecution. And he's the guy saying it. Light and momentary. You know, when I look at it through this, I, this lens, when I remember that he's coming back, and this isn't all there is, I see the whole world differently. It changes how I see circumstances. And we've got all this stuff pushing in on us. Think about all the circumstances that would just threaten to kind of overwhelm us and just be like, I, I don't know what to do with it. I, I'm really bummed about what's happening with the NFL right now, okay? But now I'm talking about the controversy and the division because, folks, football's supposed to be fun. It's, it's entertainment, I mean, we understand. See, before I used to watch, be able to just watch football and remember this thing. It doesn't matter. Okay? It, it, it does. And you're like, well, you're a Bears fan. Again, you know? But all of us, we recognize it's, it's entertainment. It's, it's something. We rally around it. We kind of give each other a hard time over it. You know? Trish Saunders wears her Denver Broncos stuff. She had Denver Broncos shoes on this morning. It was really obnoxious. It was very disturbing. I give her a hard time. And that's what football is supposed to be. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's just sports, right? Well, now politics has crept in, and it's, it's hard. And it's not just fun. And there's division. And it's over big things. I have to say to you, I do not believe, I do not believe our flag is a symbol of oppression. I don't believe that at all. I do not believe the American flag is a symbol of oppression, I believe, no, listen carefully. I believe oppressive things have happened under that flag. People are sinful. People are broken. People commit sin. But I I honestly don't believe those are things that that flag was ever created for, was rallied around, has been bled for. I I don't believe those oppressive things are what that flag's about. I think that flag was supposed to be a symbol of freedom and actually to stand against that kind of oppression. I thought that flag was the thing that we... It's supposed to be one of those things that we look at and go, okay, under those stars and stripes, that kind of oppression is not okay. We know what happens, but we're committed to saying no. We're committed to fighting and saying no. It was supposed to be something that, at least on a national level, unified us that said, yeah, no, no, what we're about is, is freedom. And where there isn't freedom, we'll fight to stop that. Where there is injustice, we'll fight against that. And I know it hasn't been done perfectly. Nowhere in the world has it been done perfectly because there's no perfect people. But I don't believe fundamentally it ever was supposed to be the symbol of oppression. And it saddens me to see this division. And I think it even muddies down the real conversation. Instead of talking about the real issue of oppression where it happens, we're talking about whether protesting the flag is the right way to say that, and getting into this thing where it's very emotional for a lot of people. And then, of course, I'm bombarded with news about that, and then I see what's happening in Puerto Rico. And I'm seeing a a nation, an an entire group of people who are in serious danger. I mean, tens, hundreds of thousands of people whose lives are in danger because the island has been devastated. And so even what we're facing and the kind of national back and forth we're having kind of seems lesser importance when you see a group of people who it's like, we got to do something or lots of people are going to lose their lives. And it's like all of a sudden my priorities are, oh. But what's funny is, is 
no matter what the thing is. What Paul says is, it's not to minimize, it's to say those things are light and momentary. This political back and forth we're having, you, you do realize it's light and momentary. It's not forever. It's not, it's not forever. I mean, I, I hate to tell you, folks, the United States, if, if, if your religion is patriotism, um, that's messed up. Seriously, that's messed up. Because we understand nations rise, nations fall. The United States has risen, and the United States will fall, just like others before it. And our first and foremost identity is that we are, we are followers of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's, that's who we are. And so we understand, while we're going to have these cultural tug-of-wars and political back and forth, that's not forever. And even for those who have family and friends in Puerto Rico, we have a number of churches in Puerto Rico. And we're, we're praying, how can, we, how can we be a part of helping? How can we support them? How can we get involved in that and help them? But even if your family and friends in Puerto Rico, even if you're in Puerto Rico, Paul would say to you, this is hard, this is real, but I, I just want to tell you in the big picture, it's light and momentary. It's light and momentary. And Jesus wants us to live with that kind of eye because he's coming back. It causes me to see everything differently. All this stuff that causes us so much heartache and anger and dissension, it's light and momentary because it's not going to be forever. Wisdom reminds us that this world is not forever because he's coming back. Second observation, when I remember he's coming back, my priorities change. When I remember he's coming back, my priorities change. I get this clear distinction between the temporal or the temporary and the eternal, right? I become clearly aware there are some things that are temporary, there are some things that are eternal. In fact, we were reading from 2 Corinthians 4, you remember? He said, our light momentary troubles achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The next thing he says is this, this is verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's the secret to understanding. That's the secret to understanding the light and momentary part. It's understanding the difference between temporary, temporal, and eternal. See, this literally alters my values. My values change because I see more clearly. And I understand, oh, it's not that these things aren't real, that they're not hard or any of that. It's not about denial. It's not rose-colored glasses. But I do understand these things are temporary. They're temporal. They are not eternal. They are not the big picture. And I clearly begin to understand that there are two things that are eternal, right? There are two things that are eternal. I've told you this before. There's the things of God, things of the Spirit. Those are eternal. That's what eternity is all about. This God who created us, his intention for us, his provision for us, his Spirit. That's what's eternal, okay? And remember what the second thing is that's eternal? People. People. Because people have an eternal spirit. Everything else that we wrestle with, that we fight over, that we put so much time and energy into, it's all temporal. It is all going to be going away. We understand that. We spend so much time working. We have so much, so much time earning money. We spend so much time building our, our wealth and our estates and whatever you want to call it. We spend so much time on all this stuff. It's all temporary. Any of us who've been to a funeral know this idea, right, of the, of the loan. It's all a loan. I come in with nothing. I leave with nothing. 
And I mean literally nothing. Those caskets are so small, you can't put anything in them. You can try, but they're just, they don't give you any room. You, all you get is the, the suit of clothes that, you, that they put you in. And they never put you in something that you would choose. They put something, oh, I remember them in this. And it's ugly, but they, they do it to us anyway. They're going to do it to you. Don't, you can bank on it. They mean well. They love you. So. But it's like we don't get to bring anything with us, do we? It's alone. 70, 80, 90 years. For that one kid in here, 110 years, whatever. But I mean, that's really important because we put so much effort and stock and energy when there's really only two things that are eternal, the things of God, the things of the Spirit, and people. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Foolish Versus the Wise. The series is called The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, The Foolish versus The Wise. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Think of how this would change things. I mean, really, imagine we go into our bank tomorrow. Because tomorrow, you're going to be, it's all, all the temporary is going to seem like the most important thing. Here and a few other places are the only place in the world where we're telling you about this temporal eternal thing. Everywhere else is saying, no, 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 this stuff here, this is the most important. You're going to go into the bank tomorrow. And, and what if we remembered when we went to the bank that the money that we have there is not eternal? I, I can't take it with me but the teller that I'm talking to is. How would that change our interactions? Some of you are working on a really big deal at work, and you've got something big going on. What if we remembered that, that, and I'm not saying that deal's not important. I'm not trying to diminish or minimize any of that. That deal might affect lots of families, people, incomes, and that's important stuff. I'm not saying that. But what if we remember that that deal basically is about something that's temporal? But this person who's on the other side of the table, who's pushing back at me, they are eternal. How would that change my approach? Building a home, that contractor is eternal. This problem that his oversight or her oversight created isn't. How would it change us if we walk through life with this clear understanding of this thing is temporary, this thing is is eternal. It would just revolutionize our thinking. And it would change our behavior. It actually changes my priorities, so it changes how I spend my time. 
I mean, we work so hard, and we put so much time into stuff that is temporary. I'm not, when I say temporary, it doesn't mean it's unimportant. It just means it's not of ultimate importance. I will literally change my decisions about my time. I may say, you know what, no, I am not going to work late yet another evening and miss this event for my son or my daughter. Or miss this event for my good friend or not be there for... I'm going to say, I'm going home now. Okay, end of the day, I'm leaving because I have something eternal to tend to. Because your son, your daughter, your friend, your spouse, they're eternal. Everything, all those other things are, te- are temporal. Doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard. Doesn't mean we shouldn't give our best to projects and all that stuff. I'm just saying, just, if we just walk through this, this understanding that Paul says, what is seen is temporal. What is unseen is eternal. And, and understand, in people you go, but I can see people, so aren't, aren't they temporal? They're spirit. They're spirit. There's a part of them that lasts forever. And understanding that changes my priorities and my thought patterns and my investment of time. Because wisdom reminds us this world is not forever because he is coming back. And last thing, when I remember he's coming back, I watch for him. And isn't this what he said the whole point was? I mean, in, in, Matthew 24, 42, therefore keep watch. You don't know what day your Lord will come. Remember the parable that he, he told us. Matthew 25, 13, he says, at the ending of it was, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You don't know the day nor the hour. And I don't care who you are. We just don't know. When I remember he's coming back, I watch for him. I love this Verse Matthew 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he asked some of his disciples to pray with him, and they keep falling asleep. And you, you can hear his disappointment. But one of the things he says, this is so instructive, he says, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into to temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So powerful. This connection of watching and praying, as praying being a behavior of watching. You go, well, how do we watch? We look for him. We commune with him. See, the spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh, tomorrow, the bombardment of stuff and the urgent and all the stuff is going to hit you. And I just want to say to you, it's going to hit us too. You're like, well, you work at a church, Sean. It must be easy. It is not. Do you understand? You, you, you might sit here and go, Sean's cracking on business and stuff. And da, da. I am not. Do you know that, that as the week gets underway for us, we are going to be tempted to forget what's eternal and what's temporal? Really, we're going to be going, oh man, we got the Franklin Graham thing. We've got to make sure our facility is ready for that. Oh, we got the big balloon festival. Oh, that's going to be cool. Lots of people here, but oh, we got all these, this, 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 and this. Oh, we got the men's retreat. There's a lot of details for the men's retreat. And oh my gosh, then we got what we got coming on the holidays. And all blah, 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 blah. You didn't know that's how our meetings went, did you? <laughs> Agatha's on our staff. She's sitting there going, no, that's exactly. It's, wow. Sean, you gave that little speech. <laughs> we are tempted. It's easy for us to take our eyes off the eternal if we're not careful. Because remember, the Spirit, why do you, who moves my scripture without telling me? I'll tell you. I'll tell you when you move my scripture. <laughs> the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all have flesh that's going to want to jump in and get all bogged down. And, and he's saying, no, no, watch and pray. And your Spirit will thank you. Your Spirit will thank you. 
See, we watch for him. And, and this understanding of watching for him and knowing he's coming back changes how I pray. I pray with a different kind of urgency. We, we spend a lot of our prayer life praying for temporal things, don't we? And probably not near enough praying for eternal things. This understanding of what's temporal, what's eternal, and that he is coming back will change how I pray. Keeps my eye on the, the ball, so to speak. On what really matters. On what's really eternal. Keeps my eyes on his word. Keeps my eyes looking for his presence. And I begin to live my life with a sense of anticipation. Understanding that he promised the best is yet to come. See, this is not all there is. I live with a sense of anticipation, understanding that the very best is yet to come. You know, we think of eternity and we think of, okay, there's, there's now and then there's then. And we think of those two very distinct things. When we begin to get this idea that he could come back any time, whether the rapture of the church happens tomorrow or the second coming of Christ happens tomorrow or God chooses to take us home tomorrow, it doesn't matter. He could come at any time. It separates this hard delineation between now and then. And we realize, yeah, we're already living in eternity because we're eternal. I think differently. And I have a sense of anticipation of his presence here and now as I interact and as I pray and as I look around for what he's doing. And I have a sense of his presence and anticipation for then. It's funny. You know, as you go through stages in life, you have to change and you have to grow and you have to think differently. And we really, Lori and I loved being parents. We loved raising our kids. We've been, we enjoyed that. And it, there was really, it was, there was a grieving process when our kids kind of grew up and then got ready to move out and do their own thing. We, we, we really did. We had this sense of, oh, we've loved this so much. It's going to be so hard. Let me tell you something. Um, parenting is great. Grandparenting is awesome. Oh, I just have to tell you, if you're not there yet, okay, I, it, wow. It really is. And, and it really illustrates something for us. And this is, this is really true. Because it's the same thing when we were parenting. You know how your, your little baby, I remember when Lauren had this little word when, when she was a little, little tiny girl, she would say the word king. She would say keen. You know, lion keen. Jesus is the keen. You know, she would say keen. I remember the first time uh, we're driving. She's just learned to read. She's kindergarten. She's just learning to sound out words and read. And she's in the back seat, and we're driving, and she's, we're stopped at a light, and there's a sign that says King. And she goes, King. It's King. You know what my wife did? No, no, baby. It's Keen. It's Keen, baby. You just say Keen. She wasn't ready to move on from that adorable phase where she was saying Keen. And, you know, it's just like, Every phase is so awesome. Let me tell you something. If you walk any length of time with the Lord, what you discover is God has new surprises and new joys in each phase. And it really is. When you, really, each age of your parenting, there's new joys. There's new fun. And people talk about the teenage years. Oh my gosh, the teenage years. Yeah, there were hard things about the teenage years. But it was also when we really started to, to move to that and see that time where we could be friends where there could be things we would hold in common, jokes that we would get, and, and there was just a different kind of relationship. And then uh, when they're young adults, and now they're raising their own families, and there's things that we understand. And, and what that does, 
that historical timeline that lets you know God has been there and he's been good in every time period. The same God who has been there and has been good in every time period is going to be there and will still be good in each time period to come. And that includes eternity. And I know some of us think of eternity and we go, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, here it's fun. We got goals. We're doing stuff. It's great. And then there we're going to sit on a cloud and play a harp. And that sounds so much fun. We think eternity sounds boring. It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to do that forever. Oh, I can't, th- can't imagine. Really, I, I, used to, I used to get worried about that. I'd be like, I love Jesus, you know, and all, but God, eternity sounds boring. <laughs> Do you think the God who created us, the God who created purpose, who created mission, who created goals and dreams, do you think that if he has said the best is yet to come, do you really think it's going to be a boring exercise in playing a harp on a cloud? Or do you think the best things that we've experienced here will be magnified, amplified, and better as we are with him, as we walk into an amazing eternity with him? See, there's a sense of anticipation as I recognize, oh, wisdom thankfully reminds me this world is not forever because he's coming back. I want us to live with a sense of anticipation. Jesus wanted us to live with a sense of anticipation and with a watchful eye. Remember, this isn't all there is. He's coming back. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.